And welcome everyone to the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all. This week on the show, we're going to take a look at the 22nd episode of The Simpsons, Season 2, Episode 9, Itchy and Scratchy and Marge. Very, very important episode in Simpsons history. What do you think? I mean, when sure. it comes to like important episodes, this is a this is definitely a good one. It's uh it's also a very practical episode because it touches on the issue of cartoon violence, but it also talks about censorship and where you draw the line. A very topical issue that's still being debated to this day. And we're going all the way back to December 20th, 1990 to talk about this. <clears throat> so I mean, there you go. Like Almost exactly 30 years ago. And we have a really good recurring guest star on this one. Alex Rocco. Sure, some people know who Alex Rocco is, but if you're not familiar... You might not know him by name, but if you look him up, you'll be like, oh, that guy! He's been in all this stuff. Yeah, he was... Uh, he's very in... <clears throat> he's uh, Mo Green in The Godfather, the casino owner, the top Jewish mobster. He gets the, uh, he gets, he gets shot right in the eye because he doesn't negotiate. That's the, uh, that's one of the big, uh, his big roles there. But he is, he does do three episodes as Robert, Ro- Roger Myers Jr., including The Day the Violence Died and The Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show. He'll come back and play Roger Myers Jr. He does not portray him in other episodes where they only really needed him for one line. He only does the important Roger Myers episodes. So we'll only talk about him two more times as Roger Myers. He did pass away back in 2015 at the age of 79. And that's actually a theme with Simpsons because it's been on the air for so damn long. Is that... uh? There are quite a number of voice actors who have appeared on the show who are no longer with us. Well, there's a lot that was in the late 80s and early 90s uh, when cartoons stuff got big again. Um, they were using the same people they were using for cartoons in the 60s. Yeah, that's so true. They were all like 70 years old. Yeah, that, I mean, that's true, yeah. So. <laughs> so this is going to be, we'll have, we have a lot to talk about on this episode because it's a very very fast paced episode uh we will uh we'll do our i'll do our my best to capture all of the the moments that occur uh dan can help me if i miss anything but we'll we'll start with the the big ones of course uh bart is writing on the chalkboard i will not pledge allegiance to bart and when they go to get on the couch there is no couch and they just stand there confused So, let's move into the episode itself. Starts off innocently enough. Marge is making her world-famous pork chops in the kitchen. And she's spicing them up with everything. She's naming all the stuff that she's spicing them up with. Including just a whisper of MSG. Yep. (laughs) But Homer's watching this, right? Because he loves her pork chops. That's a big thing, is Marge makes the best pork chops, and Homer absolutely loves them. And... He's like, you know what, Marge? I'm going to build you a spice rack. That's kind of thoughtful, right? So he's going off to the garage to build the spice rack and cuts off the kids watching TV because it's time for Itchy and Scratchy. 
as Krusty spies them off the port bow. And we get, I believe, I'll check the trivia later, but I believe this is the first time we really hear the Itchy and Scratchy theme song. They fight and bite, and bite and fight and bite. It's the Itchy bite, and bite, Scratchy bite. show. <laughs> Which one's the mouse? Itchy. Itchy's a jerk. We'll get to that episode at some point. So, of course, the, the skit they're watching is called Hold That Feline. And Itchy tosses Scratchy a football. That's made of a bomb. It blows up and leaves a crater, and then all the dog football players tackle the crater. Classic cartoon gag, you know. He's not even there anymore, but they're still tackling him. So, Homer's in the garage going to build the spice rack. He's got the whole handyman tool book here. Oh, he's got, like, all the all the books? Yeah, he's, like, never used any of them. Step one, spice racks. Did you see volume three as a Trojan horse? <laughs> <laughs> got a kick out of that. It's like, uh, step one, pick up a hammer. It's still got the $15 price tag attached to it because he never uses any of his tools. And as he's preparing, Maggie appears on a shelf above him with a mallet in her hand and bops him. And we get... grabs a convenient curtain. Yes. Well, they, they got the music and everything. It's a good movie parody, right? So it's good of the, the death thing in Psycho. And he grabs the curtain and he pulls off most of it. And then he knocks over the red paint, which then goes down into the drain. He's got a drain in his garage. He's got a, a curtain on his table that's attached with shower curtains. Very coincidental. And, of course, Maggie just flees, like, casually. Well, her job is done. Yeah, pretty much. So, here, here's what's really funny about this part where Homer's like, he can't move. They, they got him set up on the couch, but for some reason they put his head in Bart's lap. Homer, can you move your head? No, I can't. It's broken. And then he's like immediately sitting up in the next scene. Of course. Because, you know, cartoons. Also real life. <laughs> also real life. That is actually true. Yeah. Because isn't that what happens? You get hurt and you're you're selling it, but then you realize it's not so bad. And if it's convenient, you're you're not selling it. Our next Itchy and Scratchy short is called Kitchen Cut-Ups, where they're just smashing each other with mallets, because Marge wants to know, where would Maggie possibly see this? And as they're smashing each other with mallets, she realizes this cartoon's really violent. And now Itchy is trying to stab Scratchy with a knife, and Maggie's got a pencil in her hand, and she's mimicking it. And she takes, she's going after Homer with the pencil. A bad baby! And she's like, so it's cartoons that are to blame for this. And she shuts off the TV. And of course, Homer and Homer and Lisa immediately protest. And she's like, nope, you are not watching this show anymore. You're done. They've cut them off from cartoons. So, interestingly enough, Nelson actually consoles Bart on the playground over that. I heard about your cartoon. Well, and it's then, like when uh, when Milhouse's parents get divorced and Nelson comes over. Milhouse is like, oh, I, 
he's like, I guess you're gonna make fun of me. He's like, no, I know, I know the problems too, and he actually like sits with them. This is where they actually start to flesh Nelson out a bit, or he's not just the schoolyard bully. Like he understand, he's got a sensitive side, right? And it's so easy to just do a generic bully character, but it's it's makes it more worth it. Even though he does have the standard, dad went to the store. Even though his dad's also appeared on the show multiple times, like, but we'll get to those eventually. But Milhouse has a good idea. Why don't you just come over and watch it at my place? <laughs> Bart's like, okay. So Marge is sitting at home, and she's got a notepad. Now, of course, Homer's like, how come the kids can watch the car- can't watch the cartoons, but you can? She's like, because. Obviously, that's the of course the answer. Like. And now they're watching Messenger of Death, where Itchy knocks on the door, and Scratchy opens it, and Itchy just blows him away with a bazooka. Marge is like, what kind of warped human being would find this funny? And there's Homer laughing. And of course, <laughs> and of course we see that, uh, we of course see that Bart's watching it at Millhouse's, and Lisa's over at Janie's on Janie's giant-ass big-screen television. Do you see that? Yeah. I, I don't know what Janie's parents do for a living, but they've got some money because that's a big screen TV. In the early 90s, it was very uncommon to see a TV that big. Those were the people who had the money who bought the giant fucking televisions. I remember the first time I saw a TV that was like bigger than me. I was mesmerized by it. And of course, it's it's still the old tube TV, right? But because it's so big in size, you don't actually notice the tube. So it really is just a box. It was a humongous box, and your friend that had it usually also conveniently had the huge satellite dish in their backyard. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. You are so right about that. <laughs> <laughs> the one that you could prep, do fucking skateboard tricks in. Like, <laughs> those things were humongous. I remember when we first got a satellite dish, it was the standard DirecTV dish, and the thing was, like, the size of your torso, <laughs> which was not very big for a satellite dish, but, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. The whole, the whole satellite dish where they literally... You had to literally aim it at a set, at different satellites to get different channels. Oh uh, yeah, because if it wasn't... if, Well, that's actually still a thing, too. Like, like yeah, you, you can still do it. Yeah, but you have to you have to know where to, where to set up the satellite. It has to be pointed exactly the right direction. Otherwise, it's useless. That's why they always say that's one of those things that you can't... You need an expert to help you set up because... That's a very poor DIY job to do. Of course, the other thing that sucked about DirecTV was anytime there was a thunderstorm, <laughs> there was no television to watch. Well, have I told you the story about when we moved to this house, we were going to get rid of Time Warner Cable. We were going to switch to one of the dish services, dish or DirecTV. And we got the guy to come in. And the only place they could put the dish is if they dug a pole in our neighbor's yard. Oh, my God. Because there's too many leaves on the trees in our in the area behind our backyard, and, and I'm ju- like, if you- leaves on a tree is going to disrupt your signal, maybe you have a shitty business model. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Well, I mean, you can't just like trim the leaves, I guess. Well, this is technically not our land. That <laughs> that's like an in between area that belongs to the. Mm. Yeah, so you're you're kind so- of screwed there. And it's just like, I'm sorry, a pole that is pretty much in our neighbor's yard? Like, no, Isho ain't gonna 
go for that. <laughs> hey, can we get satellite TV? We gotta hook it up in your yard, though. You know, I would, I would totally have let you. I would have let you do that if you just gave me a receiver too, and let me mooch off your subscription. Yeah, you can set it up in my yard. It's just uh, I get to watch it too, and I don't have to pay for it. I'm sure they probably would have given them a discount or something because of probably. <laughs> but yeah, no, I get it. Uh, there's an and they were just like we're like okay, and what the guy left and we practically fucking laughed right as soon as the guy pulled out of the driveway. Like, what the fuck do you think we're gonna do? <laughs> the one that got me was uh, when I was manager at the hotel and. We had a really bad thunderstorm roll through, and I was at home, but my uh, my second shift front desk guy calls me. He goes, hey, people are complaining that the TV's not working. I'm like, well, yeah, we have satellite. He's like, well, what should I tell them? I'm like, tell them when the thunderstorm's gone, they can watch TV again. He's like, what if they want, like, a discount or something? Be like, tell them, fuck no. <laughs> I'm not giving you a discount because a thunderstorm happened. Jeez. Use some logic, people. Uh, they also have the other funny gag here with the uh, the classic itchy hit Scratchy in the back of the head with the mallet. And his eyes come out and he replaces them with little bombs. And Scratchy doesn't notice until he's looking at himself in the mirror. Yeah, because bombs work his eyes. <laughs> of course. You gotta love the, uh, the cartoon. The cartoon rules. So, of course, Marge writes a letter to Itchy and Scratchy. And I have a sternly worded letter. Dear purveyors of senseless violence, I know this may sound silly at first, but I believe that cartoons you show our, to our children are influencing their behavior in a negative way. Please try to tone down the psychotic violence to your otherwise fine programming. Yours truly, Marge Simpson. And of course, <clears throat> Krusty's reading it and he can't read it, which is a good callback. To uh, I can't read! Exactly. Are you saying that the the pioneer of children's literacy can't read himself is it a crime to be illiterate well no what about these betting slips is it a crime to uh, you do illegal betting yes oh that's a good callback though that yeah Krusty is illiterate in case you all forgot about that then they've got like the writer in his little his little tight tight ass studio and he just throws the letter out and then Roger Meyer's just like okay he goes Dear grateful viewer, you know, thanks for taking interest in Itchy and Scratchy. Here's a personally autographed photo of everyone's favorite cat and mouse duo. Because, of course, you could totally autograph a cartoon thing. And then he basically just tells her off that one person can't change the world no matter how big a screwball she is. And then he ends it with, and the horse you rode in on. And that's it, Marge. Oh, Marge is set off now. So she she forms Snuh. Which is, of course, and they do a peaceful protest. They got the standard signs and everything. That's the uh, SNA stands for Springfieldians for nonviolence, understanding, and helping. And helping, yeah. <laughs> which, which is funny because Maud Flanders is totally, she's totally like, uh, she's basically just paying her lip service and nodding along with it, but she ends up. Going along with it, because her and Ned, along with Agnes Skinner and and uh, Reverend Lo- and Helen Lovejoy and Mo, with his "Bring Back Wagon Train" sign, are the first ones to actually join the protest. And they actually start to pick up a little bit of steam there. 
So Bart and Lisa, of course, sneak off to their uh, to their friends' houses to watch. You know, they're playing sports or making the most of our childhood years. <clears throat> and Marge no longer has time to cook because she's too busy doing protesting, so she has to make them TV dinners. Which is, they do that that really good joke that a lot of people probably wouldn't get, but if you ever had a TV dinner, Dan, you understand that, like, if you had that vegetable in there, they always got everywhere. If it was peas or corn, it was and everything. Because yeah. I always got the ones with the corn. And it was like, okay, I'm going to heat up my TV dinner now, and I have to, like, peel, peel the corn out of the brownie. That was just the thing. The, the freaking, the little vegetables never sat still. I think everybody who's ever had a TV dinner can relate to that. It's because, like, the film didn't seal on the in- inside separations, only on the outside? Only on the outside, so everything was loose. So if you jostled it or you turned it sideways in your freezer to store it, then they, everything was everywhere. You know, the chicken stayed put, the mashed potatoes stayed put, the brownie stayed put, but fuck, those those corn nuggets or those peas? I hope you like, I hope you want peas and corn in literally everything you're going to eat. So, of course, Krusty's trying to do his show, and everybody's booing him. So he's like, I'm going to bring out my buddy Corporal Punishment. <laughs> and it turns out that Marge is leading this protest and basically ruining it. And she's got a huge mob outside the building now, right? Because she's got, you know, who got who got hit in the head with a mallet? And it turns out some people actually did, and they're all just... They're reeling. She's got a, she's got a movement here. So that writer from earlier... It's like, oh, I'm so funny, and draws a Marge squirrel, which shows up in an itchy and scratchy skit where they're beating each other with baseball bats. And she's and like, he hey. yells at them, and then they hit her head off. <laughs> yeah, they hit a home run with her head. So now Marge is going to appear on Smartline with Kent Brockman, <clears throat> which, of course, we've got Roger Myers, Krusty the Clown, and live VIA satellite, mm. Dr. Marvin Monroe. It's me, Porter. It's oh, me, Porter. Funny. Hey, Porter. Sorry. Oh, yeah, from his uh, house in, in Vienna. Yes, yeah, house in Vienna. Birthplace of Sigmund Freud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is actually a pretty intelligently done little segment here because they ask Marge a question, Myers answers it, and she gets annoyed. And Krusty can't take it seriously because anytime there's a camera on him, he just goes nuts. Hey, hey kids! (laughs) Brockman yells at him. And then, uh, Dr. Marvin Monroe is like, I don't see a problem with with the violence here. I love itchy and scratchy. I eat good old buttered popcorn and laugh myself silly. And they even show the, uh, a segment with the, uh, the funeral, right? Because... Itchy blows up Scratchy's dead body, and it's just a skeleton on fire. Classic. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's, uh... And Roger Myers also makes a point. He's like, you know, guess what? There was violence long before cartoons. You ever heard of the Crusades? <laughs> Which is a, a good point, but also missing the point. But that's exactly the type of counter argument that you would hear to something like this is somebody would be like i don't know why this violence is so bad violence happens in real life like that's isn't that a counter argument you hear to shit like this like violence on tv it's a very topical thing 
But man, once Myers gets those letters, because Marge is like, you know what, Springfielders, write in, tell them what you think, and they are some fucking nasty letters. Right? Like, and it's just, it's the classic cartoon gag of the postal trucks lined up down the street. Yeah. He's like, the screwballs have spoken. I mean, one of them was like, I'll never watch your show, buy your products, or break if I see you in the streets. Like, oh man, that's cold. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Marge's, uh, Marge's efforts have made an impact here. So now, she's finally going to actually make the pork pork chops. Yeah, exactly. She's finally (laughs) going to make some pork chops. Because her job is done. So finally, Roger Myers is like, well, I got to make this segment here, but I don't know what to do. So let's consult with Marge. He's like, so what are you going to do? Well, uh, Scratchy's upset that Itchy took his ice cream, so he's going to throw Itchy into a vat of acid. It's like, <laughs> but then we remembered that we can't do that. So what would you? Oh, yeah. And then the, the writer gets mad. He's like, well, how about we do a pie? Pies are easier to draw. <laughs> So Marge's idea is, well, why doesn't Scratchy share his pie with Itchy, and then they'll both have pie? And Myers just, he does, like, the silent thing for me. He's like, oh, it's different. I'll give you that. So, what happened? These new friendly Itchy and Scratchy cartoons start airing, and the kids start turning it off and going (laughs) outside. Oh, my God. Porch Pals? (laughs) Lemonade? Thank you, Itchy. You're my best friend. Oh, shucks. And then Krusty just, what the hell was that? <laughs> oh, yeah, the Porch Pal segment bombs. It's like, oh, yeah, because they're like, they're slow dancing. Millhouse turns off the TV and leaves. And it's like, he's reading Itchy a bedtime story about Goldilocks. And Janie gets mad. And they do a whole montage, a music montage of all the kids rediscovering playing outside. Again, good social commentary because there's and, and that's even something that people talk about today. Like people there's a big accusation that kids spend too much time on their phones and tablets and don't spend enough time outside playing, which obviously they don't live in my neighborhood because I see kids outside playing all the time. Kids on bikes, kids on scooters, kids running around like right behind our house here where all the garages are because our, we have a weird, the way we're set up, there's like all these rows of townhomes, and for some reason, our row is like in the middle of a bunch of townhomes. We're like dead center. So we're surrounded by other townhomes, like front, back, side to side. And there's always kids playing right behind where our garages are, because all that, that road is used for is for the cars parking in the garages. So the kids are playing back there, right? Because you don't have any traffic back there. <clears throat> and there's a big grass patch before you get to the next row of townhomes. So they got grass and they've got the pavement to play on. And I see kids back there all the time. I always see balls coming up between the garages and kids running through and everything. Like, that's just it, right? Like, there's always going to be kids playing outside. But there's still a, it's still a controversial thing. And I, it's a kind of a fun montage, too, because it shows all the kids having fun. Nothing particularly funny until we get to Nelson doing Huck Finn painting the fence. <laughs> In which case, I actually laughed at that. Because one of the toadies from season one shows up dressed like Huckleberry Finn. Oh, the best is Krusty <laughs> jumping out to an empty building. Whoa, is it Saturday? <laughs> he just has no idea. There's no more audience. And Marge says it conveys a great message of sharing, and Maggie shares. And then now the kids are super well-behaved. They're clearing the dishes and everything. 
So what, asking to be excused. Yeah. So what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so what could possibly go wrong here, Dan? What could ruin well, this? Well, uh, we're going to have a touring exhibition of Michelangelo's David coming to town. I was like, oh, we're going to send it out on a tour of the United States. Oh, so where? Well, we're going to be like in New York and L.A. and Springfield. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and if there's time, we'll go to Philadelphia and Chicago and all these other major cities. But somehow Springfield makes the cut. <laughs> so I've actually seen the statue of David in person in Florence, Italy, when I was over in Europe. And it actually oh, is a Florence. <laughs> it's actually a very impressive statue. It's fucking huge, dude. It is a humongous statue. Like if you ever actually see somebody doing maintenance work on it, they're only like like you're only the size of the dude's head. It's a gigantic statue. Oh, he got a big old dick? No, he does not, which is what's funny about it. And I remember one of the kids in the group pointed out that, like, well, maybe he's just one of those guys who's really small when flaccid. And one of the other kids immediately perks up. He's like, yeah, I bet that's the case. And everyone's like, that was a little defensive. Are you trying to say something? It's a grower, not a shower. Exactly. Exactly. But <clears throat> there's a big protest happening, and Marge has woken up with Helen and Maud leading the charge. And she's like, we, we got we to gotta stop this from happening. He's like, but I like that statue. And Maud's like, I told you she was soft on full frontal nudity. And that becomes the latest debate is like, because, you know, Mar- remember, Marge herself is an artist. We haven't gotten to that episode yet, but she is. She's got an art background. And so she's back on Smart Line. And she's like, I think everybody is for this. Everybody needs to see the statue. And Brockman's like, but wait a minute. How can you be against cartoon violence but not have an issue with nudity? And Marvin Monroe, now he's in Athens, on clearly on vacation because he's even got, like, the zinc on his nose for the sunblock. And he's like, well, how can you be against one form of expression it's censorship and not another. And Marge has no answer because she's like, I guess I can't. And that's a shame because I really hate those cartoons. And then Kent Brock is like... What you actually can totally do, they just... You can, be, you can be against one and not the other if you got the reason for it. But that's... But that, again, that's another counter argument that you still hear today is well, you're okay with this and so how can you not be okay with that? And... This is a very good episode that was tackled on all sides. In fact, that's actually part of the uh, the trivia that we're going to get to in a moment here. Because they said, because they handle such a large issue, the artists, the writers actually tried to have the point of view, or not have a point of view, and look at all sides, despite what they personally felt. And I think that's why this episode is so good. Because it really does present the issue from all sides. Simpsons was good at tackling issues, and this is a good one. So, of course, once Marge gives it up, because the lesson is one person can make a difference, but they probably shouldn't. And, uh... Which is also the, uh, the uh, moral to, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can make a difference, but you probably shouldn't. That's so true. It really is. (laughs) And now Itchy and Scratchy's back to violence as they have a pistol fight where they just keep bringing out out bigger and bigger pistols until Scratchy gets literally blown into the sun. 
And finally, Marge and Homer go to see Michelangelo's David. Or as Homer calls it, Dave. And Marge is just like, it's just a, sh- it's a shame that no one's going to come here and see it. And then Homer's like, oh, no. No, no, no. Is it 20 minutes? A bunch of kids are going to be here because they're making them. And she's like, well, isn't that sweet? And they end on that note. <laughs> and once again in the credits, there's Brad Bird again. Or as I wrote down in my notes here, Bard Bird. Mm. Yeah, maybe he's a bard. You don't know. But yeah, again, it's another Eric Brooke, a bard. <laughs> uh, but again, you've got Brad Bird involved, John Schwartzwelder involved. So it was a, a fantastic episode. Uh, overall, great episode. Very, very good message tackling episode that does hit all the issues from all points and points out the fact that there's always going to be censorship issues, but there's always going to be hypocrisy involving it. And honestly, there's not really much more to say about that because it's this, it's just the, uh, the fact of the matter, right? Like that's just, that's how it's always going to be. So we'll go to some trivia real quick here. Of course, we did talk about the psycho homage there. Uh, this episode was also inspired by Terry Rakolta. Terry protested the Fox network over married with children. So they utilized that to their advantage. We all know that <clears throat> Itchy and Scratchy is loosely based on both Tom and Jerry and Sylvester and Tweety. The classic uh the classic cat with the foil and a mouse involved. And it's just a lot more violent than either of those shows ever were. Like, yeah, Tom and Sylvester got beaten up a lot, but Scratchy gets flat out disemboweled and maimed and all kinds of shit. <clears throat> During the original airing of the episode, the Fox satellite blew out and the entire west coast of the United States missed the first act. Yeah. That sucks. <clears throat> uh, John Schwartzwelder was a big Itchy and Scratchy fan, so a lot of the episodes that he writes have them at the center. We'll talk about more of those as we continue doing on. So, you know the uh, music that the ki- the kids are playing outside to? Was yeah. actually a Beethoven symphony that was similarly used in the movie Fantasia. <laughs> um, because Jim Redon was a big fan of The Godfather... He tried really hard to come up with a way to get Roger Myers to get shot in the eye. (laughs) But that did not pan out. So, sorry about that. Also, believe it or not, this is the first ever appearance of Sideshow Mel. Although he does not have any lines and won't until we get to Black Widower later in 1992. So yeah, that's something kind of interesting there that I didn't even notice Sideshow Mel was in there, to be honest with you. Must have been a very quick blink and you miss moment. In the background, yeah. <clears throat> uh, originally, the montage was going to end the episode, but they decided to, the writers disagreed, and I think that worked out for the better. First episode title to put Marge in the title. So this is a I mean, this was one of the first episodes that really showcases Marge, right? Like, yeah, we did uh, 
We did the bowling episode, but this one really showed. Yeah, every episode was about any episode that had to deal with Marge was about the relationship. Yeah, this is actually a Marge centric episode. This is about Marge the character, and again, they do a really good, really good job with it. Uh, Also, response to the fans wanting to see a lot more of Itchy and Scratchy, so they made sure to do a whole deal with it. Yep. Uh, very important, very good episode. Uh, great episode, in fact. What do you think, Dan? Pretty, pretty top tier. Yeah, it's uh one of the more most memorable. One of the better season two episodes, I think, too. Right? Like, if you look at the grand scheme of episodes that uh that come out in season two, like obviously you have Treehouse of Horror, which is a classic. Um, and we talked about Dead Putting Society, Dance and Homer, Bart versus Thanksgiving, which are all classics too. Bart the Daredevil is a legendary episode, but it does it's legendary for its focal point on Bart. It doesn't necessarily tackle the issues the way this episode did. And then when we move on here, there's another there's some more great episodes too, like The Way We Was is a classic because it's our first t- uh, story episode. Uh, Homer versus Lisa and the Eighth Amendment we're going to talk about soon. That's got another good moral thing in there. We get to meet Homer's brother pretty soon. Um, we do Lisa's Substitute. Again, very important episodes, but this is a top tier. Season 2, as good as it was, this is still a top tier episode for Season 2. And that's really important because, again, Season 2 is when The Simpsons really started to hit that high quality which is what led us to season three and season four, which is like the real peak of the show. So our next episode we're going to review will be Bart Gets Hit by a Car. We're going to get some Lionel Hutz coming soon. That's going to be fun. Uh, Mr. Burden-centric episode as well. Are you ready for that one? See Bart get hit by a car? I will be by next week. Indeed. Uh, So thank you guys for tuning in. Check out all the other great content on CKCC Radio, including The Nerd Table, Real Paranormal Talk, Ranking Tracks, Motivational Moves, J-Bunny's Music Hub, The Bored to Death Binge Cast, The Race Nerd Podcast, and Chris Ranks the Universe. Coming soon, Girls Who Like. And that's it, guys. We're going to have even more fun content to talk about here on the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Till next time, I'm Chris, and that's Dan, and we'll see you next week for even more Simpsons greatness on the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all. <laughs>